This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. Thursday afternoon it is. Welcome aboard. It's Fresh Thinking time. Wonderful to be with you again. And as always, you make the show. I just sit in the driver's seat, but everybody participates and shares their thoughts. That's what's nice about Fresh Thinking. We like to think out of the box, take things which are part and parcel of ordinary life or ordinary Jewish practice and see them from a fresh perspective. The lines are open throughout the show, so you can always uh, join and you can share your thoughts and you can share your insights via text. You can SMS us on 34519 or send a message on Telegram 0618951019 or tweet at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. You can also phone the studio 0101403020. It is the month of Elul. <coughs> It's the month of Elul. That means that we're really revving up and gearing up for the high holidays for Rosh Hashanah, for Yom Kippur. It's a funny thing for us in the Southern Hemisphere to be gearing up for the beginning of a year at exactly the same time that we shortly afterwards start winding down. So Elul is supposed to be a time of spirituality, of growth, of introspection, of working on ourselves to improve ourselves and it comes around every year and somehow seems to fly past even more quickly with each passing year. You want to maximize it. You want to use this opportunity so that by the time you get to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're feeling connected and inspired and aligned with everything that Hashem wants from us and would want for us in the year to come. So my question for today is let's talk about how do you maximize the opportunity of Elul. If you were to advise somebody how they could maximize the next three and a half weeks and get themselves into the best position for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You've probably had experience in previous years and things that have worked for you or something that you've discovered this year which you're finding very meaningful. What would you advise people? What are the best practices? What Maybe a good book to read, a, a podcast to listen to, something. What would you say are the best tips or the best insights or the best recommendations that you could make for somebody for the month of Elul to be able to maximize the opportunity. And I really do think that it's uh, an opportunity to be maximized, an opportunity to be taken advantage of. What would you suggest to somebody is the best way to maximize the opportunity of Elul? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. So you're supposed to be introspective and you're supposed to be uh, working on yourself, which sometimes is a little bit open-ended. What exactly does it mean to work on yourself? This is the time. We're working towards Rosh Hashanah and we're working towards Yom Kippur and we're told that this is a very powerful time. You know, yesterday I was talking to a group of people and said, what is the single most well-known or most used uh, um, parable at this time of the year and people were humming and hawing and I said what about the king is in the field and the one person rolled his eyes oh I've heard that a hundred times but really the point of the matter is and if you're familiar with the metaphor attributed the parable is attributed to the Alter Rebbe the first Chabad Rebbe Rebbe Shneir Zalman of Liadi to illustrate what the power of this month of Elul is it's like having the king who is normally locked away in his palace and inaccessible suddenly on your street and smiling at you and saying come over I'm happy to talk to you 
In other words, Elul is a time of unusual closeness with God, unusual interest from Hashem's part into our lives. And so Elul is a time with massive opportunity. So what do you do? How do you grab it? Somehow or another, it seems that people, maybe it's part of human nature, maybe it's the way that we are wired, but people have a tendency to allow opportunities to slip through their fingers. You know, you speak to people and they always tell you, ah, oh, 20 years ago, I had the opportunity to have bought that property and you know how wealthy I would have been. Yes, we all know these stories about how we talk of opportunities that we had that we let slip. Now, Elul is an opportunity. It's an island in time. It's this unique period. Yes, of course, when the Yom Tov season is upon us at the end of the secular month, at the end of September, when we hit first night Rosh Hashanah, that's when most people switch on and say, ah, it's the Yom Tov season. Wow, we better get focused and we better be, we better be, uh, you know, on our game over here because this is the time of judgment and Hashem will determine everything about the coming year. That's when we wake up. That's sort of like, it's a crude example, but that's sort of like the person who just swings at the ball in golf without having set up the shot. It's like the person who arrives for the marathon not having trained. So we've got this phenomenal opportunity during the course of the month of Elul, and it sounds a little like a broken record when every year around about this time the rabbis start going off, it's Elul, it's Elul, did you hear? We're blowing the shofar and you're supposed to add in various things and so on and so forth. But how do you maximize? How do you maximize? How do you make this Elul different to what you've done in previous years? Because we all know that insanity is defined as repeating the same thing and expecting different results. So we get into this time of the year, we probably, uh, maybe I'm generalizing too much, but we get into this time of the year and we say, oh, yeah, it's Elul, let's bring out the Elul pack. So we'll blow the shofar and we'll add Tehillim 27, Psalm 27 to the daily prayers, and maybe we'll do a few extra things. We'll go to some additional Torah classes, and that's it. That's how we're going to prepare, which is wonderful and it's great. But that's not necessarily going to take me to a whole different experience of Elul to what I've had in the past. That's why I'm asking the question. Maybe you've had an experience. Maybe you've encountered something. You've come across something this year. Maybe you're thinking about something that you had never thought of before, which is relevant to the conversation. It's relevant to how to maximize Elul. So what would it be? And, and how would you share that? Share it. Share it with somebody else. Perhaps they could benefit for from this. On Twitter, somebody is saying, take the month of Elul to step back and look at yourself critically and honestly with the intention of improving. How can you do better to further yourself spiritually in the future? How can you become closer to God? Look deep inside. So that's probably what many people would expect to hear, right? This is a time of introspection. We're told that the month of Elul is Chodesh HaCheshbon. It is the time to make a, an accounting of everything that's been going on in your life. Very famously, it's compared to a business person. So you run your business the whole year round. There's a time on the calendar where you have to take stock and see. So we've been running this business for a year. Are we on the up and up? Are we in the black? Have we had a net profit are we reaching our goals and our objectives? So that's what Elul is for the individual. Elul is a time to say, now hang on a second, last year Rosh Hashanah, I remember saying some things. Maybe I even made a resolution. 
Maybe I had an expectation for myself for the year in terms of what I was going to achieve. So here's the time for the cheshbon, the time to make an accounting and say, how am I doing? How do I stand up? Not to anybody else's scrutiny, because quite frankly, it doesn't really matter what other people think. What matters most is their own integrity. And there's no more powerful test that a person can have for themselves than to test themselves against themselves. So am I living up to all these wonderful highfalutin ideals that I designed for myself? Or have I let myself down? That's the first thing that we're supposed to be doing at this time of the year is to be introspective. So yes, that's absolutely right. As we've just seen on that particular tweet, that's definitely true. I don't think that any person could disagree with that. So it's a time for cheshbon, right? It's a time for introspection. And I'm worried sometimes when it comes to introspection that people say, ah, introspection means that the Torah expects me to feel guilty. The other day I was talking to somebody about the month of Elul and straight away the first thing that they said was, don't start now with the guilt. There's an expectation. Maybe it's a specifically Jewish thing. There's an expectation that the minute there's a holiday on the horizon, there's going to be an element of guilt associated with it. So let's try and shift that paradigm. And maybe it does not have to be about guilt, even if it is about personal introspection. And there you go, just exactly on that note. Here's a message from Flora who says, it's a time to think about what I do wrong and make myself feel bad to change for the next year. To feel bad. I'm curious about that. How many people have that association with this time of the year, that it's a time that you're supposed to feel bad, that you can almost feel good about the fact that you feel bad. How common is that? How many people feel that way or, or feel that they're made to feel that way, even if they don't personally feel that way? It's almost as if there's an expectation from the leadership or from the um, religious members of the community that they think, no, but you don't feel bad about something. This is the time to be pounding your chest. This is the time to be introspective. This is the time to have remorse over inappropriate behavior and, of course, to make commitment going further. So is this the time of the year? Is that how you maximize? Is that the best way to maximize the month of Elul, as Flora has just recommended, that you should feel bad? If you feel bad at this time of the year, then you're doing good. And maybe that's true. Let's uh, let's see. Let's see what people say and let's see what your view is, because it is interesting that there's this perception that in order for a person to move forward or in order for a person to be in a healthy spiritual state, maybe one of the big things that they have to do is feel bad. Very interesting. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What other things could you recommend as ways to be able to maximize the Elul experience? Feeling bad? Is that a way to maximize the Elul experience? What else? What else could uh, we come up with? Here's uh, another suggestion. Somebody says, I don't think we can forget the basics, which is prayer to shiva, usually translated as repentance and good deeds. Now, is that unique to the month of Elul? Is that something we should, is that not something we should be doing all the time? Should we not always be praying? Should we not always be engaged with good deeds? Even Teshuvah. The concept of Teshuvah doesn't have a specific season. Yes, at this time of the year, we focus a little bit more on Teshuvah, but that doesn't mean that it's locked into this time of the year and inaccessible the rest of the year. So are these the things that you do to maximize Elul? Or are these the things that you do to maximize your life on a daily basis? And by the way, I'd like to throw this out there. You hear that word Teshuvah and people translate the word as repentance. Anybody want to suggest a good definition of how you know if you've done Teshuvah? How do you know if you've repented three, 
34519. If you want to SMS, send a message on Telegram to 0618951019. Couple of tweets coming through. You can join those at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. And you are welcome at any time to call the studio 0101403020. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here's somebody on Twitter. He's aptly called Simcha Sika, at Simcha Sika. He says that this is the time of the year to do Cheshbon HaNefesh. You're supposed to be introspective. So he says this. Do a Cheshbon HaNefesh for Simcha the way that you would do for Musar. If you are happier this year, you'll be more spiritually healthy. That's an interesting one. So isn't that interesting? Because usually when people think about being introspective in a Jewish context, in a teshuva context, usually people think simply that it's about, did I conform? Did I fulfill all the myths? Now, of course, that's, a, that's an incredibly important part of being introspective. Did I do what I was supposed to do? That's exactly the core of what introspection is about. Did I do what I was supposed to do? Did I succeed in those areas of my spirituality that I was supposed to have grown or resisted a temptation or whatever the particular area might be? Now, here's somebody saying, very interestingly, that part of the introspection should be, did I have enough joy in my life? And I I love the point that he brought this up because Judaism is very much about joy. We're told it's a verse in the Psalms, Ivdu es Hashem besimcha, that you're required to serve God with joy. There's a passage in the Code of Jewish Law that says, quoting from King Solomon, that toiv leiv mishte tamid, that a person should always look for an opportunity to celebrate. In other words, the position that a Jewish person is supposed to adopt, at least attitudinally, emotionally, is a position of, of joy, of celebration. So it's interesting, this uh, tweet from at Simcha Sika that says, this is the time of the that you have to actually be introspective, not only on did you tick boxes, did I do all the things that I was supposed to do, but were you joyous? Did you? Because joy is a connector to God. Joy is a symbol of faith. Joy tells you that you have what to be optimistic about, that you trust that you're in God's hands. Joy is a, a very empowering kind of attitude. If you think about it, people who have simcha, people who are joyous, are more likely to do what they should do. They're more likely to be good to other people. They're more likely to make the world a better place. So to think about and to ask yourself and test yourself in terms of your capacity or your joyous experience over the course of the past year is definitely part of the introspection of Elul. So that's nice advice because that helps a person to understand something that they could be doing to maximize this period. Is it only about introspection? Is that the only way to maximize this period? I'm not so sure, not absolutely sure. Somebody else sent a message over here to say that you have to think about what hurts you or what about you might hurt others. And then you've got to work from that, which is very interesting in its own right. I think it's still along the lines of interest of introspection and Introspection is going to play a vital role in terms of being able to prepare ourselves and maximize what Rosh Hashanah is all about, maximize the month of Elul. Fine. So that's one thing, introspection. Somebody else earlier said that what you're supposed to do is the basics, more prayer, more good deeds, and more Teshuvah, which uh, raised the question, well, what is Teshuvah? And I haven't seen anybody yet uh, decide that they want to comment on that one. Hectic, hectic tweet over here. 
from uh, somebody with a hash with the handle I must be right. <laughs> it's an interesting handle and so right. Hectic tweet says, "Does God also spend time being introspective for all the suffering and tragedies that affect innocent victims, especially children?" Well, that's a big topic. I don't believe that this is our topic today. It is a topic to discuss. Is God introspective? Does does God do some kind of a, a self-audit over all the difficult things that he sends our way? Um, interesting. I don't know that that's something that's going to help us to maximize our experience of Elul, but it's definitely a good question and something that deserves debate in its own right. Now, I did mention earlier that there's this parable of the king being in the field, and it is maybe in some people's minds overused. But the truth of the matter is that the parable is a very apt way of describing exactly what happens during this month. So again, the parable is that under ordinary circumstances, the king is locked away in his palace and inaccessible to 99% of the population. Occasionally, though, the king will have to travel and he'll make his way through the field and that way interact with the plebs, with the ordinary people who are out there, the worker bees who are in the field planting wheat or whatever it is that they're doing. And, and the parable says that he's willing to receive them with a happy face and then he shows them his smile. That's part of the parable. And, of course, in Torah, every detail within a parable is relevant and it all speaks to a particular message that we're supposed to be learning. So the first point of the message is this. Just because you have an opportunity is by no means a guarantee that you will use that opportunity. So it's all very well for us to say Hashem is closer at this time of the year. God is like the king in the field. I'm in the field. What does it actually mean for me? Nothing until I decide to act on it. So just to contextualize, being in an urban environment symbolically in spiritual terms means to be in a place which is healthy for a human being to be, healthy for your soul. Being out in the field where we know that Esau, Esau, was called the man of the field. So to be out in the field implies that you're not in a healthy environment. It's not as bad as being in the desert. The desert is outright spiritually toxic. A field is just unkempt and maybe not as uh, solid. It's certainly not a place that human beings should be living. You go into the field, you do what you've got to do, you've got to go home at night. So when we say that the king is in the field, immediately there's a massive implication over there, which is that Hashem is accessible even to those of us who are not in the best spiritual frame. You know, very often we expect that we've got to get to a certain level of uh, perfection, observance, dedication, and only then God will look in our direction. Well, that's what's unique about Elul. Elul is that God is like this king in the field, making himself accessible to us in our difficult environment, in our inhospitable environment, similar to what the verse says, that Hashem will dwell with us even when we are in a state of impurity. So it's a quite a, it's quite a powerful metaphor, actually, when you think about it, because a lot of the time we think of ourselves and think, gee, I'm really not where I, where I should be, really not. I'm out in the field. I'm distant from a place that is that is healthy to be, that is spiritually stable. So, you know, here I've got to, I've got to turn myself around and I've got to get back to where I'm supposed to be. And then the next thing, Hashem is in my environment. Like I haven't even turned around yet. I haven't even worked myself into the correct direction. And 
he's already in my space. So that alone should set the tone for us for Elul rather than to think of it. Oh my gosh, this is a heavy time of the year. Whoa, this is the time I've got to be introspective. And this is the time that I've got to dig up all the things that I'm supposed to be remorseful over. And then this is the time that I've got to look at my dark side, warts and all, and identify all the things that I've done wrong. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Well, hang on a second. When we use this parable of saying that the king is in our field, basically, Hashem has made himself accessible into an environment where we find ourselves. And it's an environment which is not the ideal environment for us. The fact that God kind of reaches into our space, we should be dancing from the rooftops just with that realization. You know, when you suddenly appreciate God is... Well, beyond anything that we could understand or describe or anything that we could appreciate. And nevertheless, I don't like to use the word taking time out of his schedule because that makes it sound like he's bound by time. But Hashem reaches down into our world for this month more so than any other month of the year. I mean, it's always accessible and available. But this time it's like I'm in your space. There's a massive opportunity. You really want to be able to use that opportunity. And this is the problem. The parable might at that point sound just a little bit abstract. Okay. Great offering. What do I do with that offering? Hence my question today. How do you maximize the experience of Elul? I would love to hear your thoughts. You can SMS 34519. You can send a message on Telegram on 0618951019. You can join the tweeters at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. And you can even phone the studio on 0101403020. Pick and Pay Hypernoid have the following specials that you need to know about. Pick and Pay Kosher Whole Barbecue Chickens are a delicious 69 Rand 99 each. Pick and Pay Kosher Whole Fresh Chickens are also 69.99 per kilo. You can get gefiltered with Pick and Pay Minced Hake at a chilled 129 Rand 99 per kilo. And Pick and Pay 20 centimeter milk tarts are a sweet 19.99 rand each. These prices are valid from today till the 8th of September. Pick and pay Hypernoid is the place to shop when you want to buy a lot. Do you have a brand that needs protection? Have you established a strong name for yourself in your industry? And is somebody taking advantage of that? Your brand is worthy of protection. Contact Radameyer Attorneys with over 20 years combined experience with trademarks and intellectual property law and give your brand the protection it deserves. You can call us on 011-886-3001 or in- email us at info at radameyer.co.za. Radameyer Attorneys, you imagine... We protect. It's actually quite a nice line. If you've just joined us, it is Fresh Thinking because it's Thursday afternoon and you are with Rabbi Ari Shishla. We're together until 3 o'clock talking today about the month of Elul. How do you maximize this opportunity? Just imagine if you were in your neighborhood, wherever it is that you live, and the single most powerful person in the in the country... Okay, I know that currently maybe there's all kinds of political commentary on that. Let's not go down that route. Single most powerful person rocks up on your street and says, Hi guys, anybody want to talk? And you say, I'd love to, but uh, I just got to finish the, the dishes or I'm just putting up supper or my favorite show is coming on right now. So as much as I would love to chat to you, terribly sorry, can't do that right now. What? Really? 
That's what you would do? I doubt it. I don't think any of us would do that. You know, the Talmud tells a story about the great sage, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He lived during the time of the destruction of the Second Temple. And Titus and the Roman army had surrounded and besieged Jerusalem. There was a terrible famine on the inside. Any minute, everything was going to fall to pieces. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai smuggled himself out of the city and went to speak. It wasn't Titus yet. At that stage, Vespasian was still commanding the troops. And... Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai went to speak to him and he asked for certain things to, to spare certain segments of the community. And the Talmud, in one version at least, is quite critical of the great rabbi and says, but you had the opportunity, you're speaking directly to the decision maker. This is Vespasian. He is the commander of all of the troops who shortly afterwards actually became emperor. And all you're asking him is to spare an old rabbi and a particular dynasty and allow us to relocate our yeshivas to a new geographical location, why don't you just ask him to step down? Chill. Don't attack Jerusalem and don't destroy it. And one version of the defense of Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai is he knew he wouldn't get it, so he figured he'd rather ask for what he knew he could get. But another version is that sometimes Hashem confuses us and we don't get to use an opportunity appropriately. There you are. You're talking to the king. You've got the opportunity to ask for or to achieve all kinds of wonderful things. And then you let it slip through your fingers. We don't want that to happen to us during the month of Elul. So if you imagine that this overarching parable of Elul is of this king who's come into our neighborhood, into the field. In other words, he's taken an interest in us in spite of the fact that we have been a bit negligent, despite the fact that we have maybe become distracted from him, is giving us the time of day. Surely this is an opportunity that we would want to maximize. So my question is, how? How do you maximize this? And so far people have said things like more prayer, more study, more good deeds, and a lot of people saying introspection, which is a real thing. Introspection is a, is a very big part of what the Elul experience is all about. Now, what happens to us a lot of the time, you've got to be careful with this, is we have good intentions and we say, you know, I, I really want to do something. I want to do something this Elul. I want to do something over Yontav that's going to shift me. And then we know what happens with good intentions. They're wonderful in theory. And they don't necessarily translate into anything. You know, you know this all the time because people do this. We do it to each other. We say, you know, I really, really should come and see your new house. I, I, I've heard that you've moved. You've been there a while already. I really should come see. And then what happens? We don't. Why not? Because we're malicious, not because we intend specifically, deliberately to make that person feel like we built an expectation and dropped them. It's just simply because we have good intentions. We don't necessarily get to it. So here Hashem says to us, you know, the first thing is, I'm ready to receive you. That's the parable. The parable says that the king is willing to receive the people with a happy face. Receive the people means all I want from you is just just show me interest. Just show interest. See, somewhere along the way, I don't know exactly where, this thinking invaded the Jewish mind where we started to believe that if you don't do things properly or perfectly, if you're not at the top of your game spiritually, then Hashem is not interested. Almost as if God has this extremely high standard of expectations. And I can understand why people would think that, because there are 613 mitzvahs to perform. And by the way, each of those 613 has a myriad uh, laws associated with it. So clearly you can understand why people think, whoa, you know, how on earth 
Am I going to keep up with all of that? So we fall into this trap of uh, God will not respond until we get it absolutely right, like some kind of a schoolmaster who says you're going to repeat this thing until you get it right, like the drill sergeant. And this parable tells us that Hashem says, I just want to see that you're interested. Let's start with that. Let's not get caught up in an expectation of getting everything right. For a start, I'm willing to receive you. Now, if I'm willing to receive you, all you really have to do is turn around and walk in this direction. Make some kind of an approach. You don't have to get it all perfectly right. But make an approach. Show some interest. Show that you have good intentions. And if those good intentions don't carry you all the way through to the end of next year, which is usually what happens to us, we make these resolutions. And by the way, that's a problem because we make big resolutions and we set ourselves up for failure, which means that the next time around, we're afraid of making resolutions because we recall how we failed last time. And so the vicious circle begins. And here Hashem says, make a move. Show show some optimism, show some interest, show some goodwill on your part. And that's where it all begins. That's where it all begins. How do you, you want to know how to maximize the month of Elul? Well, the first thing is don't try to maximize the month of Elul. Try to maximize the fifth of Elul because that's today's date. And maybe we're halfway through the day or more than halfway through the day. And you say, ah, forget it. Today just did not get to where I wanted. But tomorrow, tomorrow will be amazing. You know, the problem is with that, we do that a lot. We say, look, I'm very dedicated to make Elul happen. I'm just under a bit of stress this week, but it's fine. As soon as this week is over, next week you'll see. Next week I'm going to be on my game, and I'm going to be davening extra, and I'm going to be studying extra, and I'm going to do more good deeds. And everything's going to be fine. And the next week comes, and of course, with next week comes new stress. And, well, I thought I was going to get it, but don't worry, because before we're halfway through this month, you'll see the second half of Elul, I'm going to be power. I'm going to be absolutely power. And then the second part of Elul comes and goes, and then, you know, it's just before Rosh Hashanah, and you say, okay, look, I had promised myself that I was going to do all this prep before Rosh Hashanah, and I was going to be on top of my game, and now here we stand on the threshold of Rosh Hashanah, and I'm not doing as well as I had expected, but that's okay. Because you're going to see what a Rosh Hashanah I'm going to have tomorrow. Tomorrow, when I come to Shul on Rosh Hashanah tomorrow, it's going to be unbelievable. And then you walk into Shul the next day and you just can't connect because you, you still have all the stress, the, the, the leftover stress from the week that built up to Rosh Hashanah and from the whole year that's brought us to this point and all the things that are going on in the country. And you're just too stressed. You say, don't worry, second day Rosh Hashanah. And then second day Rosh Hashanah passes and you say, I have the seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then those pass and then you say Yom Kippur. And then you say, don't worry, when I get to Ne'ilah, at the end of Yom Kippur, then everything's going to be spectacular. And then at the end of Yom Kippur, you might say, next year. You're going to see. Next year, I'm going to have a plan in place. The worst way to try to maximize the month of Elul is to try to maximize the month of Elul. Maximize today. Do something today that is meaningful, that's going to align you with where you should go spiritually. That will make a big difference. What other suggestions? Three, four, five, one, nine. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Very interesting. Just seen uh, somebody sent, uh, I mean, it's not for the air, unfortunately, but what a nice thing somebody has sent. It's like a flow chart, a very strategic step-by-step program that a person could follow from the beginning of Elul until Yom Kippur. Very, very nicely done. I'm going to spend some time after the show looking at that properly because I think it's uh, it's got a source as well, which is very good because you can go back and look at the original 
Very, very nice. Here's an interesting one. Leia on Twitter says that you have to nullify your ego, and that is very hard. It is very hard. I mean, can you imagine telling somebody that they have to I – don't, I don't know if we relate to the term nullify your ego, but basically what we're saying is you've got to suspend your sense of self. That was uh, Leia responding specifically, by the way, to how do you define teshuva because that was one of my questions. So if we're going to talk about ref, uh, maximizing the experience of Elul, and I'm suggesting that you don't go for the whole month because that might be – too much to chew, but just go for today and even what's left of today. So still, what are you supposed to do with the time? Now, it's really interesting because in human terms, the way that you approach somebody, let's say that you want to build a connection with somebody. So the way that you approach somebody is not merely about walking over to them and, and becoming closer to them in their physical proximity. That's not the only way that you connect. And in fact, you don't have to connect with somebody just because you're in Proximity. Think about an overcrowded subway uh, car and everybody's standing literally one person's shoulders inside the next person's jaw, you know. In that environment, you're very close to people uh, spatially, but you're not connected to the people in a meaningful way. So if you wanted to connect with somebody, if we're saying that Hashem makes himself available and he's here, so to speak, in the field, in our space, making himself approachable, then people tend to think, well, what am I supposed to do with that? It, there's, no, there's no physical distance that I have to traverse in order to get to be close to God. So what, what I actually do, how do you connect with a person other than moving towards them physically? Well, one of the big ways, possibly the biggest way that you connect to somebody is to try and appreciate what things are important to them. You'll know this from your own experience. There are some people who actually take an interest in what you care about, and those are the people who you feel close to. Those are the people who you respect. Unfortunately, we have an epidemic of superficial engagement in each other's lives, which is basically, how you doing? I'm fine. Oh, great. Wonderful. I don't really want to know how you're doing. I just ask because that's a platitude that we give in modern society. The other day I was talking to somebody and I said, how are you? I'm fine. And then I said, and how are you really? Ah, different story. Now you start to get a whole perspective. So those people who take an interest, those people who really want to know what's going on in your, in your life, the people who remember the significant things that are happening around you, that want to know how so-and-so is in your family because last time they spoke to you they were having a hard time, those are the people who you feel close to. So the way you develop closeness with somebody is by taking an interest in the things that are important to them. If we're going to say that Elul is like this king in the field, God is, and God is obviously much greater, more powerful, and more relevant than any king that ever existed, God is in the field, in proximity, making himself available, so to speak, talking to us or allowing us to talk to him. We want to come close. We want to connect. How do you connect? Well, the first step is to take an interest in those things that Hashem considers to be important. Very often. When people are trying to move themselves spiritually, what they do, not intentionally and certainly not maliciously, but impulsively, what we do is we say, okay, I need to improve myself spiritually, so what am I going to do? Well, let's think, in my world, what would constitute something that is spiritual growth? By my standards, what would be considered something that is meaningful? And that's challenging because there, there you, you come with your bias, and you come with the approach that's going to be attractive to you. Let me think what I would like to do, what I would enjoy doing in order to connect to Hashem. 
Hmm. It's not on our terms. It's not on our terms. God doesn't come into the field and then say, what would you guys like to do? And I'll come play with you. No, he's, he comes into the field and he says, now you need to approach me. He's mekabel. He's willing to receive us, but he's not going to stretch into our world and say, whatever makes you feel good. That's how we're going to connect. So what's important for us is to take into consideration what would be important to Hashem. If I want to connect to Hashem, if I want to connect to God, then I need to prioritize something that is of value to Him. Often, often, the things that people say are important for spiritual growth are the things that are important to them. You know, all the time, rabbis get this all the time. People say to us, you know, rabbi, the most important thing is to be a mensch. Now, is it the most important thing? It might be, it might not be something we could debate, but there's a much more important question over here. What is a mensch? <laughs> the person who tells you that the most important thing in the world is to be a mensch may not be considered a mensch by every single person they know. It's not a guarantee just because this is your stated ideal that that is necessarily who you are. Because usually when a person says, be a mensch, that's so important. Usually what they're thinking is the kind of things that either I would appreciate people to do to me, the way I'd like people to treat me, that's a mensch. Or the things I'm willing to do to help other people, that's being a mensch. Either way you look at it, it's typically biased. What happens if being a mensch sometimes requires that you do something that's a little bit tough, tough love? Maybe that's being a mensch. You've got to be careful if you define it just simply on your own personal terms. So when we come to the month of Elul and we talk about the spiritual growth that a person is supposed to undergo, be careful with that. What constitutes spiritual growth? Well, I think spiritual growth means that you're going to go out and you're going to help people who are going through a difficult time or people who are on welfare or whatever. Well, you might be right, or maybe that's not spiritual growth. Maybe that's just pumping up a particular point of yourself that feels good about yourself by doing these things. Maybe you've got a family member who needs help, but that doesn't make you feel as good, so it's not as attractive. Maybe there's more spiritual growth in helping that family member who kind of gets on your nerves and you can't necessarily leave them on the side of the road or in a shelter, maybe it's more difficult to assist that person than it is to assist the person where there's some kind of feel-good factor associated with it. So we've got to be careful. Spiritual growth, a big, a big element of the month of Elul, is not about what I want, what I feel. It's actually very much about what is important to God. What would be important for God if I did X and Y, you know, and, and you've got to be careful because there are also people say, I really think Hashem would agree. Really? We don't know. We don't know how Hashem thinks. All we know is that there are certain things that he's given us in the Torah and those are the guidelines for how we're supposed to behave. Look into those things and that's where we'll find things that are what we should be doing. And to be perfectly honest, it's usually the thing that we don't naturally feel that we want to do that is the thing we need to do if we're trying to connect ourselves to god we're trying to have the spiritual development we're trying to maximize the opportunity of elul how do we do that well a big component of how we do it 
is by being willing to undertake something that is not easy for us, that was not on our to-do list, that was not in our frame of reference. But now we recognize, hey, hang on a second. Actually, this is something which is important to God. So it's important to God that I do mitzvah X. It's important to God that I pray. It's important to God that I help that person who I don't really enjoy spending time with, whatever it is. That's Elul. That's how we maximize it, by stepping a little bit outside of ourselves. And that was Leia's point about nullifying the ego. That's what it is, letting go of me and my expectations, perceptions, and wishes, and being more willing to do what it is that Hashem wants. That's a way to maximize it. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here we are talking about the month of Elul and trying to work out a way to maximize the experience. There's a beautiful insight from various of the Hasidic masters that if you take the word Elul, the name of this month, it is spelt Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed. So that means if you read it in reverse, you have the word Loy and the word Loy. They're just spelt differently. One is Lamed Aleph, which means no, and the other is Lamed Vav, which means to him. So there's a great secret about how to maximize the experience of Elul. If you want loy, that's with the vav, the one that means to him. If you want to approach him, you want to get closer to God, because that's the big offering at this time of the year. Hashem says, here I am, I'm accessible, opportunity is all yours. Of course, that means that you have to take that opportunity. So loy, you want to get closer to God? Well, then loy, the lamed aleph, that means not. That means negation. So it's not about your thinking, your expectations, your rules, your perceptions. You want to get closer to Hashem. One of the things you've got to be able and willing to let go of is your worldview. Because maybe the way that you see things is exactly what obstructs you from having that interaction and that connection to God. So this period of Elul that we're in now, that's got another 25 days to it, 24 days to it. This is the time of the year that we're supposed to work on our spirituality, that we're supposed to be introspective. We're supposed to draw ourselves closer to God. Well, here, this is exactly what we should be doing. So think about it. And it's it's literally on a day-by-day basis. Yesterday, somebody was asking me, what happens if I undertake that I'm going to do something just for the month of Elul? And then at the end, end of Elul, I don't do it anymore. Is that worthwhile? Yes, by all means. Every positive step that we take is worthwhile. It's a terrible paralysis that we get caught in when we say, I can't do something just in case I don't do it properly, or I can't do something just in case I can't do it in the long term. Let's not worry about six months down the line. Let's not even worry about a month down the line. What about today? What could I do today? What could I do um that even if you want to stretch yourself and say over the course of the month of Edel, think about it. Think about one thing that you could do in terms of your Judaism and bear in mind that your Judaism relates to how you connect to God and how you connect to the next person. So what could you do in your Judaism in the next few days or in the next few weeks from now until Rosh Hashanah or even from now until the end of today, something for your Judaism that was not on your to-do list, that was not on your agenda. It was not in your line of vision. You're going to do it because it's the right thing to do because it's what Hashem wants, because it's what's important to Him, rather than what's going to make you feel all spiritual and connected. Let's get away from this business that in Elul, it's all about feeling, feeling spiritual, feeling connected, feeling inspired, and let's rather move to a place that it's all about 
doing, doing what we're supposed to do, connecting where we're supposed to connect, studying what we're supposed to study, praying as we're supposed to pray. And please, God, through all of that, we align ourselves in the healthiest way possible with all those wonderful blessings that God definitely has stored and waiting, locked and loaded for us for the coming year. The only thing we have to make sure is that we align ourselves to be in the right space to receive them all. So on that note, wishing everybody, may you be written and inscribed for the most spectacular year to come. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a good week ahead.